Good morning. So there is this father and son, and they really, as the story goes, they really uh, had it out with one another. And they got fed up with one another, the Spanish father, and they became estranged. And the, and the young man, the boy, the son, he ran off. And he left the family. And the father went looking for him through the streets, all over the place. And, and for months, he couldn't find his son. And he, he was just overwhelmed with emotion. Finally, as a completely last desperate effort, he put an ad in the Madrid newspaper. And this is what it said. Dear Paco, meet me in the front of the newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you. Your father. Well, on Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up. 800. They were looking for forgiveness and love from their father and just hoping for that. And you know, for, for whatever reason, as Dave was praying there, I mean, I got emotional. The Holy Spirit just was working in my heart. I mean, we, we, have, we have read Philemon, and if, if you've ever prepared for a message, and I know some of you have, I mean, you study God's word like you don't normally study, and we probably should do that all the time anyway. But I have studied this book, this one chapter, for so long. And the picture of forgiveness of what our Lord and Savior has done for us is so much in this book that it's just overwhelming to, um, to actually comprehend that and to understand that that's what our life is supposed to be like. We're supposed to have that default of forgiveness constantly in our thoughts. That that's, that's our response to people. This is the last installment of the message uh, where, where we're preaching on Philemon. Philemon is one chapter long. It's 25 verses. It's 457 words long. 457 words. The, the previous two messages and this message are all about forgiveness. It's talking all about forgiveness. The book is a, is a picture of forgiveness reconciliation, and, and overall restoration. However, in the 457 words from the ESV, of those 457 words, the word forgive or forgiveness is never in there. And yet it's a, it's a beautiful picture. It's rich in content and, and overall instruction of how a believer needs to, needs to reflect that of our Lord and Savior in forgiveness. And we're going to dig into these uh, verses. We're going to have a shorter time today uh, than we have in the previous two, but I hope the content is rich. I, I hope that we're going to be able to really reflect what our Lord and Savior uh, has done for us. So if you'd stand with me, I'm going to read the final verses. We're going to start in verse 17 of Philemon. Very short book, but powerful. 
just powerful. Verse 17, so if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. That's Paul talking. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, with your spirit. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that you can move us today. You can move us to a point of forgiveness. You can move us to a point uh, of accepting forgiveness. And most of all, that you can move us towards you. That we can understand the forgiveness you provide. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Before we dig in uh, to these verses, I, I want to define two terms that you see in your outline throughout the rest of the message. Uh, normally you don't see that, where, where the same terms are showing up and under every single point, and those terms are temporal and eternal. So let me define those real quick. When, when I use the word temporal, I'm referring to things that are temporary. Things that are temporary. At 1 Corinthians 4, 18, uh, according to the NIV, it says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We can also look at Luke 21, 33, Psalm 39, 5, or even 1 John 2, 17 for other examples. Bottom line, temporal things are only temporary. I'm just laying the groundwork for what we're talking about throughout today. Eternal means just what it says. It's, it's never going to pass away. It's eternal. 1 John 2, 17, Luke 21, 33, Psalm 16, 11, you will abide forever with God. God is eternal. And these verses, they're going to show us four major ways of the picture of forgiveness. First, there is a debt that you can't repay. There's a debt that you can't repay. Verses 17 through 19, they're pretty clear that Onesimus, remember that's the slave that ran away. Onesimus owes Philemon something. He owes him a debt. And, and at the same time, that Philemon owes Paul something. And this is where we have the difference of the temporal cost versus the eternal cost. The temporal cost versus the eternal cost. Verse 18, has Paul making sure that Philemon gets paid back? Truly gets paid back. It, even though this, isn't, this wasn't Paul's focus in the letter. I, I think he's trying to cover all the angles that Philemon might be dealing with. Remember Onesimus? He ran away from Philemon. He, he, he probably took some valuables with him when he went to Rome. So, so Philemon had, had to spend money. He had to replace Onesimus. 
So there's a cost associated with that. Whatever was taken from him, he, he probably had to replace that in some fashion. We, 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 we understand that. And we know that, that Paul is just saying, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure you get paid back. I'm going to make sure you're taken care of. Um, Paul had money. And we see that in other books that where we, it talks about how he was being supported. He had a thriving ministry, even though he was shackled. Even though that he was in shackles, he was in a jail, a house jail, he, he still had a means where he had money coming in for his ministry. And so he was looking at that, and he said, it doesn't matter. I'll take care. I have enough money to satisfy this temporal debt. I don't mind it. Put it, put it on my account. Charge it to me. And, and doesn't that sound like the Good Samaritan? We talked about that, I think, last time, where the Good Samaritan comes in and he, and he helps the, the person on the, on the street and takes them to the inn and, and he pays for the innkeeper and he says, take care of them and I'll be back and, char and just charge it to my account, whatever he needs. He's just taking care of those, those temporary needs. But, but if you, you need more money, I'll pay it. And I think about this. We, we give so much thought to money, don't we? It, it, it's constantly on our lips. It, it's constantly on, on our thoughts. We hold on to it so tight, and there never, never seems to be enough. I heard someone this week, um, as much as I love sports and stuff, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to uh, uh, my when I'm driving, I'm always listening to talk radio and preachers. I, I just, it's a pure joy of mine. And so I listen to all kinds of preachers on AM 1160 and, and 90.1. And, and so I, I, just, I hear all kinds of preachers, and sometimes I don't even know who they are. And so I'm constantly testing, which you should be doing anytime. But one of them said, he said, man, when you have money, hold it with your open hand. And when you have God's word, grab onto it tightly and hang on tight. Temporary versus eternal. And I thought, perfect for, my, for what I was talking about. Did you know that the typical person in America, if they're in the bottom 5% of income in America, bottom 5%, now we're not talking about the middle class, we're not talking about the top 1% that everyone always talks about, the bottom 5% in America are, 60, are, are, are richer than 68% of the entire world. The bottom 5% in America ha have more wealth than 68%. But you know what we do? Is we find temporary things to spend our money on, don't we? We, 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 we just, we have things, and, and Paul's not worried about money in this case. He doesn't care. He, his whole focus is the relationship with Onesimus and the reconciliation, the restoration of that overall relationship with Philemon. And that's what he's looking for. And Paul, Paul does make two comments that are pointing to something that's much more valuable, much more on the eternal. First, He's already established that he's excited to hear of all the great things that Philemon's doing in the Lord. Remember in verse, uh, he says, Philemon, uh, 
In verse 17 he says, so if you consider me your partner, you see what Paul's doing? He, he, he's, making, he's making Philemon and Paul that they're brothers, that they're brothers in Christ. And, and that's what he's doing, partners bringing forth the gospel. And he continues by saying, if you consider me as a partner, then receive Onesimus just like it would be for receiving me. Why is, why is he making this connection? And why is this a great connection? Well, because, because he knows that he led Philemon to the Lord. And, and that's a debt that can never be repaid. If he gave a thousand denarii for Onesimus' debt, well, it, that wouldn't cover the cost of what Philemon owed. Let me, let me say it this way. If you look at the screen, I see it's already changed there. So, so you see two people up there. <laughs> One of them's my wife, Sherry. <laughs> she didn't know I was doing this. And, and the other is her best friend, Janae. These are her... They're senior pictures, okay? I can't pay these ladies back. I, I, I cannot pay for what they have done for my life. For Sherry. Her ability to strengthen me when I need it, to love me through tough times, to love and care for our five children, sometimes six with Dylan, to be an example of someone in my life who, who serve in the Lord, I, I can't repay that. I, 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 can, I can share words with her and I can show appreciation and, and whatever. I, I can't repay that. And, and, and her friend, Janae, it was a beautiful August night when it, in, in between my sophomore and junior year when she came home from a Bible camp and, and she shared God's word with me. She shared the love of Jesus with me. And, and, and I bowed my knee that evening. I can't repay Janae back. She lives in Texas. And, and it doesn't matter if I send her goodie bags every single week for her and her family. I can't, I can't pay it back. That's, that's something that's eternal that, that they've given me and that they've encouraged me with, I can't pay that back. My check that I'd give, the stuff I'd give, they'd just be temporary. And that's what the Lord has done for us. He knew that he was gonna, he's going to have to suffer severely because of us. And he did it anyway. Because, because he knew, he, he said, not my will, but thy will be done. Thy will be done. And he went through that temporary pain for the eternal benefit that you and I could get that you and I would, would have. The second picture of forgiveness comes when delivering a blessing of refreshment. Read verse 20 again. It says, yes, brother, I want, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Well, here, we're comparing the temporal joy versus the eternal joy. Earlier in, in this book, verse 7, Paul says uh, that he has gained joy and comfort because of the hearts of the saints that were being refreshed through Philemon's ministry. 
Here's what Paul's trying to say. Okay, okay, Philemon. You, you, you've been a blessing to so many people. You know, you, you've, you've especially, you, you've opened your home for people to come in there. You have been a blessing, and, th- and that is, is wonderful. You've given them a great refreshment. Now, as your spiritual father, I would love to be blessed. I would love to be blessed if you accept Onesimus back in your home. Welcome him as your brother in Christ. That's, that's what Paul's saying. He, he wants to be refreshed from that joy. Well, the normal response, the normal response that someone might give, a, a temporary response, the temporal response would be that Philemon might have done this in a form of just obeying a leader. He might have said, oh my goodness, yeah, Paul, you're, you're, you're an apostle of Jesus. I, I'm going to do what you asked. I'm just going to follow through with it. And, and there wouldn't be any true joy in it. It would, it would just be, I'm ob- obedient. And this is, it would have served as a good thing, but no real joy. It's done out of duty. Or, or maybe Philemon thought, if he did this act, I'm going to welcome Onesimus back in the home. And when Paul gets out of jail, oh, he's going to give me something really good. This is going to be good. I'm going to get something out of this. Well, temporal, just a temporary joy that you could receive. You see, temporal joy is focused on the right now, right this second. How could I be happy in the moment? You think of drug, sex, alcohol, lying, stealing, cheating, whatever you can come up with. These are things that we're seeking for temporary joy. We're not worried about the eternal joy if we're, if we're seeking these things out, seeking that satisfaction, and we try so hard to fill that void, we just want to feel good just in that moment, just that split second. And I, I'm sure that Dave has seen many friends that he calls friends now in jail who are seeking just that enjoyment, that small satisfaction for a moment. You know, how many, how many guys have, have robbed a, a store and got 75 bucks from the robbery? And, and they're like, and, and now they're serving time. It's just a small amount, no matter what that amount is. Paul's writing this letter through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's writing this letter... Uh, And he adds two simple words at the end of this that just change everything. In Christ. In Christ. He has taken something and he's created a system where it is not about him. It's not about his true joy. It's about the joy in Christ. That's transformed everything. Paul wanted to be happy. Paul was going to be happy about the reunion. He was going to be happy about about the overall forgiveness. But if it was done with a heart that was honoring Christ, that's when Paul was going to be blessed. That's when he was truly going to be blessed and and true joy. Onesimus, he was in need of a cup of cold water, and Philemon was the one who had to provide that cup. You see... If we truly look at someone with a heavy heart, 
and truly want to serve them and love them. Because of the love that we have for the Lord, that's, that's when we're filled with eternal joy. It, it, it doesn't matter if we know them or not. It, it doesn't matter what the situation. When I'm in Ethiopia and I see a young mom, I, I can picture her right now, a young mom, she's laying on the side of the street. I mean, you, you could see cars everywhere, like literally inches almost from this lady who's laying on the ground with a tiny little baby and thousands, I'm not exaggerating, thousands of people walking around with all these cars bumper to bumper. And we're walking the, the side of the streets. And, and I, I walk up and uh, I have my interpreter with and I, I say a few words and I give her some food and I talk about the baby. I mean, there's nothing I'm gaining from that, from this world. It's all because of the love of Jesus. Do you realize the joy that enters my heart at that point? It's unbelievable the joy that I get from that. Not because I get anything out of it. I'm, I'm only trying to bless somebody. And when, she, when you see her big old smile and, and her thankfulness, it, it, it just, oh, it overwhelms you. And, and, and that's what, that's what we're, we should be doing. That's what we should be doing is, is seeking to get that true joy by serving others, by loving our brothers and sisters. Well, the third picture of forgiveness that we see is that we should do more than requested. Do more than what is requested. Verse 21 says, Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. Well, we have another comparison of a temporal response versus an eternal response uh, when we're asked to do something. And, and Paul's, Paul's got Philemon right where he wants him now in his letter. He's really built it up uh, to this point. A year ago, uh, a buddy of mine, I, I got the opportunity to work some construction for about three months. And I'm not the handiest guy. I've, I've been able to always do things because I, I read or watch a YouTube video and, and teach myself that way. But uh, thought this was going to be a great opportunity, and it was. I spent three months working construction, and, and, and I... I did a lot of uh, trim work where I got to put up a lot of trim, but most of my jobs included demolition, cutting, lifting, moving, and most of all, cleaning. Most of all, cleaning. Oh, I was a good cleaner. I, I could clean. And, and so our, my boss, he wanted to be known in Wheaton as the cleanest uh, construction site of all, and there's only three of us uh, there, the, my boss, my uh, good buddy Nels, and myself. And so I was the laborer, but one of my jobs was make sure it was clean. And so I'd have a shop vac ready all the time. I'd be sweeping all the time. I'd be taking wood out to the dumpster. You see, I, I could have done the bare minimum. I could have waited, because so, the boss wasn't there all the time. And, Caleb's a little bit younger than me. I could have been like, eh, whatever. He's a youngster. I, I could have just got just the bare minimum done and made sure that I was, I was just getting my work done or, 
or acted a little bit different when the boss was there. You know, but when you serve the real boss, when you serve Jesus Christ, all of a sudden your response is a different level. It should be a different level. I, I think I mentioned this last week. Uh, another friend of mine uh, owns this rather large business, and he really doesn't like hiring Christians a lot of times. Maybe, maybe it was two messages ago I talked about that. And, and, and because the responses are temporary responses. And I'm not saying all of them, but I'm just telling you from his vantage point, and he loves the Lord, that his non-Christians work harder than his Christians, and that shouldn't be the case. My buddy Mark Davidson always said, as a basketball coach, I want my kids to be diving on the floor. I want them to, he was coach at a Christian school, I want them to be warriors. And I want them to love the Lord like crazy. And that's what we're to do in our work, in our efforts, is that we're to just, I mean, love the Lord like crazy and, and go at it hard. Because our response has to be that of the eternal boss, our king. We're serving a king. We, I've said this many times. We have trouble understanding that concept of bowing our knee to a king. Because we mock all our politicians. We mock all those that are in leadership to us at some point. As an educator, how many times have I heard that in the teacher's lounge, someone mocking somebody who's above them? That wasn't in my notes. That was a freebie. You see, Paul was penning this part with his own hand. Normally, when, when Paul was writing, he was dictating to somebody else. Well, he picked up the quill at this point, and he starts writing himself, and he finished the letter off himself because he knew it was so important that he make sure that what he was writing was so on point. And, and he wanted his res the, the response to be abundantly over what it was even, even being asked. Remember the story of the prodigal son? Remember what, 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 what did the father do? He ran out to him and he put a robe around him and, and he threw a huge feast. Well, he went the extra mile. I, I'm not only going to forgive you, I'm going I'm to take it to the next level. Well, that's what, that's what Paul wants Philemon to do. He wants him to take it to the next level with Onesimus. Don't own, I know you're probably not going to only forgive him. I know you're probably not going to only just say, welcome back. But man, you're going to throw a party in his honor. You are going to shake that entire area up because of what you're doing to one of your slaves. Your response is going to be awesome. And that's probably the best word to use. Lastly, forgiveness and overall maturity, it takes place when we're dedicated to being responsible to others. Responsible to others. Verses 22 through 24, they take us home. They take us to the finish line. Pretty much announcing to Philemon, you know what? <laughs> we're excited that you're going to be receiving Onesimus with open arms. 
and that we're going to be praying for you. I, Paul, I'm even going to come to your house. I'm going to come to you. He says, at the same time, prepare a guest room for me. Are you kidding me? Paul, Paul's not only saying, hey, do more than, than I even ask. I'm sure you're probably going to do that. In fact, I'm going to come to your house. Start getting a room ready for me because I'm getting out of here soon. And I'm going to come over there and I'm going to see exactly what's happening. And it's going to be great. It's going to be great. How many times do we react differently when we know somebody is going to be uh, coming there or somebody's going to be watching us? Um, let's see. He goes, I'll be graciously given to you. Uh, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do, so do Mark, uh, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Paul's going as far as saying, I'm getting out of here and I'm coming. But can you imagine what would... What happens if Philemon says no to Onesimus? <laughs> and, and Paul comes there after getting out of prison, and, and he said no to Onesimus, and, and Onesimus is living on the street. What kind of response? I mean, he's, he's like saying, this is the insurance. I'm coming there. I'm going to keep you accountable. And... He, he challenges us that our accountability, and that's what it is, the temporal accountability versus the eternal accountability, our accountability is much more important than the person who's standing next to us, uh, next to our, our boss. If you, don't, if you don't want to be responsible to others, maybe, maybe it's you're just concerned with the rules and the laws that are being put forth, and that's temporal accountability, where, where you're looking at what are the rules uh, what are the laws? And that's what I'll follow. And, and you, you see this with teacher unions a lot. They, uh, I'm an educator, so that, that's why it, it recognizes to me. I was, in a, I was in a union meeting the other day, and, and everything was by the book. Don't do more than this. Don't do less than this. You, you follow it by the book. Uh, a, f a friend of mine, he was a young man, 20, probably 22 years old got a job at Caterpillar. And the, the I don't know what sounds, if it's a bell or, or, or something, I always imagine a whistle, because uh, that's what they did on the Flintstones. And, and uh, so, something goes off, and, and, and they, they're to take break. And so he goes and sits, sits at break, and, uh, and he, he's got his job, and he's sitting there with the other guys, and they're, they're chatting. This is, this is free, too. This isn't in my notes. And, and, and he gets up to go, go work at about 15 minutes. He had a little snack, and he's like, oh, I got, I got to finish this job. I want to stay ahead. The, the guy who was stand, sitting with him, he goes, whoa, where are you going? He goes, I just got to go finish a couple of things. He goes, sit down. You get up when we get up. You see, they were following a rule set out by their union that they do not do more than asked. You want one tractor a day? You'll get one tractor a day. Do we have to do two? Fine. You see, that's accountability to rules. That's temporal. 
sometimes those are good. You know, if an administrator is, is keeping a teacher accountable and, and making sure that they're following through with their assessments and making sure that they're working with the kids individually and differentiating their teaching, that's, that could be good accountability, okay? But, but Paul is saying something completely different. He's saying, you know what, I've got an all-star of people who are praying for you, Philemon, and are going to keep you accountable. He includes three authors in this letter. Did you, did you catch that? Tom probably caught it. Three authors in the New Testament. Himself, Paul, Luke, and Mark. I mean, this is an all-star lineup. That's not even to talk about the other guys. And he's saying that, that they're going to love on him after getting out of jail. You see, eternal accountability, get this, eternal accountability deals with you and I growing in grace and obedience to God. Nothing more, nothing less. And that's why Christians should have accountability partners. That's why, that's why we need to ask for accountability from others. Because it can help transform us and therefore transform other people. You might want to write this down. Accountability, eternal accountability is so we can grow in grace and obedience to God. That's why we have brothers and sisters in Christ who, we, who challenge us. And you know what, kids? That, that's why we challenge you as your parents. We're holding you accountable to the Lord. That's our jobs, is to serve the Lord and to try to pass it on to you guys. And that's my challenge for all of us. Are you growing? Truly. Are you growing? Are you growing in your love and obedience to the king of kings? Are you getting closer to him on a daily basis? Or are you moving away from him intentionally or unintentionally? There's probably so many people. We talked about a box where you put in initials and people's names and those are the people that you need to forgive, and those are the people maybe that you need to seek forgiveness from. You need, you need to go and love on those people. I'm challenging you to go and love on those people. Sherry and I had a, had a direct conversation about somebody that we need to love on intentionally, and not just me, and not just her, but our entire family. And there are people that, that are like that, that you just, man, you just gotta, you gotta love on them. And that's what, that's what we're being challenged by the Holy Spirit through this letter, is that we've got to love on people who don't necessarily deserve it according to our view. You need to forgive them in your heart of hearts. Deep down inside, forgive them. And I know that you will. <laughs> I'm confident that you will. And I'm confident that you're even going to do more than I'm asking See what I just did there? And when you start reconciling those relationships, when you start reconciling, I want to hear about them. Because guess what? My heart can be refreshed. Truthfully. My heart will be refreshed when you are reconciling those relationships. And 
as Paul ends his letter, allow me to end it with the exact same words. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit.